All right, what's up AFC? I hope everybody is doing well. My name is Matt and I work with the college students here at UCC. And um, if this is your first time, I usually dress a little bit nicer than this, but I coach high school basketball and I was at practice earlier today and I was sweating through my preaching clothes and I went on and I threw this t-shirt on and I'm looking at it and I thought this would give me a great time to shamelessly promote the number one team in 3A basketball in New Mexico. So uh, um, we co I coach at Mesilla Valley Christian. We have a home game Friday. We're 15-2, and two, and we're killing the game right now. So if you guys want to come see some good basketball, that's at 6.30 at Mesilla Valley Friday. Um, also, if this is your first time, this is probably a little bit more important. Um, visitors, we're so pumped to have you here. We have visitor information cards in the back. And uh, if, you give us your, if you give us your info, we might have an intern or myself, somebody uh, come take you to coffee, uh, get to know you a little bit more. This is a group that, um, as cl cliche as it sounds, we're a family, and we're just super excited to have you here. We think there's room for you here, so we just hope you felt welcome. Somebody give you a handshake or a high five today. Coffee dates are um, with myself or the interns or small group leaders, and you, we'd love to take you on one of those. Like I said, uh, church is Sunday mornings across the parking lot at 10.30, and uh, we have a lot of growth and exciting things going on over there. And uh, the last thing I mentioned was small groups. Now, we started small groups off this Monday, and they were super successful. The guys had a great time. We met at Taylor's house, which is behind IHOP on University. And the girls met in an apartment, which they've already outgrown. So they'll be meeting here at the lounge, uh, which is this classroom right down um, the hallway over here. And that'll be both, both of those are at 7 on Mondays. And uh, we have this really great material. We have this material called guardrails. And what guardrails is, is this idea that if uh, the edge of this stage is a cliff and just beyond it is sin and disaster and terrible things in our life, we want to implement things called, called guardrails where they kind of stand there and they keep us from making mistakes we wouldn't want to make. Now, the real idea is to fall so in love with Jesus that we stay way over here in this passing lane where we stay so far away from guardrails that those can't really affect us. Um, but sometimes you get close, and that's why we institute these things. So we're trying to fall in love with Jesus with everything that we do, and that's the small group material that we're, we're really excited about. Um, but we're going a little bit different direction tonight. Tonight, uh, we want to talk about um, a little bit more about disciple-making. Last week, we talked about something called the Great Commission. Now, what the Great Commission was, is it was this challenge that Jesus, it was this charge that Jesus gave his disciples right before he ascended into heaven. And uh, the challenge was to, uh, to, to, to take over while he was gone. And so we, we, we ended our service last time. We stood and we, and we delivered this challenge. So we're going to start with that again. And we're going to pick out one very important part of, from this passage. So uh, if you'll go to the screen there. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Looking at verse 19 again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The sermon title tonight is Without Borders, and it's kind of this idea that's rooted in the Great Commission. It's rooted in this idea that we're not supposed to just share the gospel within our, within our inner circles or within the, um, the people closest to us, but we're supposed to take it to other people groups. Dictionary.com defines disciple as, on the next slide, or nation, I'm sorry, nation, as a large body of people associated with a particular territory that is sufficiently conscious of its, conscious of its unity. 
Now, nations will think about will be like other countries that have landlines and borders and languages and governments. But if you think about it, there's other nations that we're aware of, uh, the Indian nations within the United States, or even if we look at New Mexico State. New Mexico State can be described as a nation of people, if it, we're using this definition. And for most of the year, for most of the year for us, that is our mission field. New Mexico State is a very, uh, very good mission field too, and I mean that in a, in a scary way. New Mexico State is a secular university. It uh, has the tag of a party school, which most of you guys know, and uh, only 4% of the population are, are tied into campus ministries, Christian campus ministries like this. So it's a very, very good mission field. Um, but tonight what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about a mission field that looks a little bit more uh, like the missionary fields that you, that you hear about, a little, bit more, a little bit more foreign to what our thinking is, and that's, that's what AFC's involvement in the country of Honduras has been in the past two years. So uh, tonight, you know what, it kind of is a mission night. I'm going to be promoting, um, I'm going to be promoting Honduras and the trip that this, this college group takes every summer to Honduras. But I also want to preach. I want to preach about the spiritual benefits that I think it, um, it helps Christians and believers and even non-believers on trips like this. So the three things that we're going to go over is we're going to have, uh, we're going to show experience from um, people in this room that have gone and what it did for their faith. We have a testimony tonight that is extremely powerful, and I'm very excited to have um, Taylor come up and share that with you. Uh, secondly, I want to show you through Scripture exactly what it means to take the gospel to all nations and to other people groups and what loving on widows and orphans is all about and how it's just littered throughout the Bible. And then lastly, what we're going to do is we're going to invite you to come with us this summer. So uh, whether you come or not, what tonight should do is should open your eyes to poverty, not only um, materially but spiritually as well. In this room tonight, if you go to New Mexico State or you've gone there or uh, you had college as an option in, uh, in, in your future, uh, you're one of the more uh, gifted and rich people in the world. Now, I, could have, I could have picked out statistics like if you arrived in a car tonight, you're in this percentile of richest, or if you have internet access, you're in this percentile of richest, but I don't really have to do that. You guys know just by sitting in this room um, that we're, we're highly favored. We're a highly favored group. Um, but secondly, and far more importantly, is the spiritual implications um, that sharing the gospel with those who have never heard it can do for us. Uh, what you actually see um, is that a trip for a Christian can do far more for us than what we do for them, even though we're trying to, to bless these people as much as we can. And you know what? If you're a non-believer in the room and you don't really like the spiritual aspect of missions and, and, and what we talk about tonight, I just want you to um, think about practically that when, when the church goes on mission trips, um, they get it right. We support those who can't support themselves, and so it makes sense from a practical standpoint as well. Uh, we won the cosmic lottery being born in America. We really, really did. And so, and so it makes sense for us to take some of that blessing and go to a, go to a third world country like Honduras. Uh, spiritually. Spiritually, the, the benefits are priceless. Uh, James, James 1.27, if we think we have it on the next slide, it reads like this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. If you've been around church or church people or, or religious people for any amount of time, one thing you might have realized is that sometimes things get in the way. Um, by things, I mean sometimes money issues within the church, sometimes how different groups and different denominations uh, interpret scripture. That can get in the way and cause, cause bickering. Sometimes leaders within the church, they fail us. Uh, whatever it is, there's sometimes when we stay in this little circle, the beauty of what we believe in gets distorted at times. 
But James, the brother of Jesus, he kind of almost knew this was coming. And so he tells us in his letter that there's a way to see religion in its most pure and beautiful light. And that is by loving on and taking care of widows and orphans. And that's exactly what this ministry has been doing for the past two summers in Honduras. What our, what our spring semester looks like is we, is we plan for months. We plan to take workers and we tend to plan to take materials down um, and to be somewhat of a light in this country. Sunday, if any of you were at our, our service across the parking lot, our preaching minister, Charlton, he delivered a sermon that's going to be the theme for our church for this year, and it's called Shine. Now, what we talk about when we shine is it comes from uh, Matthew chapter 5 about being the light of the world. And one of the points that he made that I thought was really, really good was that light, true light, seeks out darkness. True light seeks out, seeks out darkness. So if you have a candle and you walk outside in the, in, the, in the bright of day, the candle does next to nothing. Now, if you bring a candle in a dark room like this, if these lights weren't on, it would light up a lot. It would be very beneficial. So that's what AFC does. When it gears up for this, darkness is sought. When it gears up for this trip, darkness is sought. You know, spiritually, the country of Honduras, it has somewhat of a Christian influence. It has a little bit of Catholic influence um, and a lot, of just, a lot of just apathy, kind of somewhere in the middle. Uh, but what we really tr- see is the economic conditions of this country is where we really find our mission here. Honduras is located in Central America. We have, uh, there's like a big, broad picture of it. It's a little orange shading there. And in the next slide, you can see it. It's kind of tucked in there between Guatemala and, and Nicaragua. So it's right there, right there in the heart of the Caribbean, right by the Caribbean Sea. And, uh, and this, this, country is, this country is poor, and this country is extremely violent. I don't mean to scare you from potentially going, um, but it's just a fact of the matter. Um, they, most people live in center block homes without air conditioning. A lot of the residential streets are unpaved. Truly, truly an impoverished third world nation, and it's only a three-hour flight from Houston. So, I mean, we're right there on the cusp of, um, of, of third world poverty, right under our nose. Specifically, the orphanage that we serve at as a ministry, that's in the next picture. Um, It has about 20 to 25 kids, um, ages six months to about 18 years old. And they only have four um, full-time staff, not even full-time, they take shifts, but four staff parents that take care of this place. Every room in this orphanage has three to four beds in it. Um, And the kids, they don't really have individual space. What they have is their mattress they sleep on, and each kid has a drawer that has all their belongings in it. And you should see the kids light up when they show you what's in their drawer, you know, um, all the changes of clothes that they have, a couple of material possessions that they have. Um, They bathe in vats of water, and they use milk cartons that they cut off the top to wash themselves. I mean, this kind of stuff is still happening. And this particular orphanage, the the money's tight. CRF is is a group we go with, and they support them, but we can't support them enough for them to have a diet that has enough protein in it. So, I mean, right under our nose, there's kids that um, aren't getting enough meat. And in the winter months, sometimes when funding stops, they might have to shut their doors at times, and that scares the heck out of the group home parents that these kids might be back on the streets for the time that, this, uh, um, that these doors are closed. So what we try to do is we try to bless them as much as we can. In about 10 days, uh, we try to do everything that we can for this community and this orphanage. So what our, what our day looks like is when we wake up in the morning, uh, we eat breakfast, and then we go and we start, um, we start helping the community first, the community work. So this first picture is uh, one of the duplexes that we, we build, um, center block duplexes. And that's how they start. They start with frames and um, places for, for concrete, concrete frames and, and mortar and bricks. And it's just a bunch of brick moving. It's a lot of manual work. And what they t- end up looking like is in this next slide, 
is a duplex like that. Now these duplexes, they don't have running water, they don't have electricity. As you can see here, this one doesn't even have doors. I mean, that's a, that's a crate on the window there and a, and, a, and a sheet for a door. And what these, but what these do is they keep orphans and widows off of the street. And it's extremely valuable and, and to the families that receive these and they receive them legally so they can't be stolen from them. It's just a, it's a really beautiful thing that we do. Uh, the second part of the day is kind of the kind of the fun part, what we do, and this is how we fulfill um, the second part of James 127, is we pour into the orphanage and to the orphans. This year we put a second story on their orphanage, which was great. We added, this is our team right here, they added three extra bedrooms and nine extra beds. And this gave a chance where the teenage girls can go, um, the teenage girls of the orphanage can get away from the group. And the next picture here. Um, we had a member of our team sign and bless the studs of this building. So AFC and UCC has their handprint um, in the form of blessings um, spiritually and materially on this place, and we've made a dramatic impact there. And lastly, and the most fun, is what we get to do with the orphans. We get to shower them with attention and with gifts. Now, these are my two boys that I've really clung to the past two years. This is Antonio and Esteban, and it's not Esteban. I'm not just being a gringo. It really is Esteban. That's what they call them. And um, these two boys I've got to see go from diapers um, to last year. They weren't in diapers. They were four. And when we go back this year, they'll be just before their fifth birthday. So we're getting to see these kids grow up. What we get to do is we get to take them toys. We get to take them things. We get to take them clothes. Um, toys, Legos, puzzles, um, toy trucks is what I got these two the first year we went down there. And, uh, you know, the, the idea is if you have any extra space in your suitcase, we're trying to take some of the blessings that we've had, we try to take it down there to these, um, to these kids. So when a, when a group of Americans, when they, when they bring gifts and, uh, for the orphans and materials to help build and, and help out the widows, what it looks like from the outside looking in is it really does. It looks like light shining in the darkness. And, uh, you know, we kind of look like light. We kind of glow a little bit anyways because there's a bunch of white people going down there with uh, uh, all the darker complected people. So we stand out like a sore thumb, but it's awesome. And uh, people really take well to it. And for as many articles and, and videos that you read about how the church might be getting it wrong, you know, open letter to the church, Christian church, or um, one I saw the other day is 10 ways that the church is getting it wrong. For as many examples of this as there are, this ministry and this church and others like it for even short amount of time in the summer, we get to go down there and we get to get it right. And we get to look like the hands and feet of Jesus. Even if it's only for, even if it's only for 10 days, we get to see that pure and undefiled religion. This mission trip, uh, just, by, just by how we do things, is far less preaching and outreach and teaching, um, but more, more in just the, um, the labor and the pure outpouring of love through the gifts and playing with soccer with the kids. Um, and this work from the outside, looking in from other missionaries, maybe might seem like it's small, but what we do is we go to scripture and we say that even small things like this have great, giant spiritual implications. In Acts chapter six, we see, um, we see that the disciples are getting very busy. The disciples, after Jesus has left, they have the job of preaching and taking care of the poor. So, we, so we'll pick up the story here in chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 1. The screen will pick up in verse 2. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. 
but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Paraminus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. I don't know if I got those names right, but neither do you. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And verse 7 is where it gets good. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient of the faith. We see here the importance of taking care of widows and orphans. We see the importance of center block houses and playing soccer with orphans. The disciples had the job of preaching and teaching, um, but there had to be some people in the background doing these things that seem um, kind of smaller. Things like we've kind of been talking about tonight that our group does in Honduras. But don't you find it interesting the qualifications that they have for Stephen? It kind of looks like the, a description of a disciple that we read about last week full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Now this is just a, this is just a bus boy. This is just a guy whose job it was to, was to serve tables. But what happens when the background work is done, we saw in verse seven, is disciples multiplied. If we would have kept reading in chapter six, Stephen even starts performing miracles and wonders. The bus boy, the servant, full of the Holy Spirit, his job was to bus tables and God starts working mightily through him with miracles. You see, whether it's through Honduras or through Las Cruces, whether it's preaching on a stage or playing soccer with orphans, God has this amazing way of getting things done that he wants accomplished. And our only job is to be willing and in return our faith will grow and disciples will be multiplied. One thing I need y'all to know about this trip is that the good that we talk about, that we've done down there, the, the building and the playing and the giving, um, it pales in comparison to what those kids give us. I mean, go back to that picture of the, of the twins for me. I mean, look at these faces. I think they're holding toothpaste and toothbrushes right there. And look at the gratitude and the joy that they have. These two boys have taught me more about my walk in the past two summers than, than, I've, than I've ever blessed them. And that's just a fact of the matter. What I want to reiterate tonight is that tonight's not really about Honduras as much as it's about disciple making. And that's a theme that AFC is going to have this semester. If you want your faith to grow, regardless of if it's Honduras or not, taking the next step of service is, is a great way to do so. What it did for my faith was huge. And I, and I took this journal down there the first time, and sometimes when I'm having these valleys of my faith, I'll, I'll go through here and I'll read some of the things that happened on that trip, and I'll just remember the great and mighty things that God revealed to me through these poor, widowed orphans and, and the things that he revealed about himself and his character. Now, my testimony from this trip is good, but it's not even my favorite. My best friend Taylor, who's in the room tonight, was on that first trip, and he's going to share his testimony with us tonight to close out, and he's also going to invite you to our meeting this Sunday if this is something you'd really be interested in going on. Um, but to intro Taylor, I'm going to read a, read a portion from my journal on that day. And this was a big day for Taylor, but it was just a big day for everybody who got to witness what happened. So this is going to kind of preface his testimony. Oh, and can I say something? I don't write like I speak. Apparently I write in the King James Version Bible. So if I say some words that don't sound like what you heard, like I agree, it doesn't. But I'm going to read it anyways. <laughs> With the manual labor part of the trip behind us, this Friday was set aside for a full day at the orphanage. 
The morning was nice hanging out with the twins, giving them the toy trucks, and watching them play with them. A nice morning was absolutely transformed when, um, with an afternoon that our Savior orchestrated beautifully. See, I don't say orchestrated ever, so. Mati Sol, the group home mom, took us and nine of the orphans to a national park with caves similar to that of Carlsbad Caverns. Carrying the twins through the cave was an adventure, and seeing God's handiwork there was awe-inspiring. Once we got out of the cave, we made our way down to a spot in the river where we could play in some of the pools and lay on the rocks. We played and splashed with the kids for about an hour and enjoyed the absolute majesty we were immersed in. And as I was getting out and staring at the scene, actually, I have a picture of where we were at in the river, right there. As I was getting out and staring at the scene, I turned to Taylor Gobble. See, we were on first name basis back then. <laughs> I turned to Taylor Gobble and I said, hey man, do you want to get baptized in Honduras? He smiled and didn't answer right away. And as I turned to get out, Taylor yells back at me, hey man, don't get out, I'm ready. That phrase was awesome, I'm ready. The next couple of minutes were even better. Taylor got baptized and is one of the most amazing moments that I've ever seen God play out. The Lord has been chasing after Taylor for months and today capped off an amazing courtship by our Lord and Savior. We all hugged and took pictures with T-Gob and piled back into the truck. Now on the 45 minute drive home, it began to pour rain. Soaking wet and on cloud nine, we began to sing worship songs one in English, and then the orphans in Spanish. And on some of the songs that were the same, we all sang together at the same time, two different languages. A sloppy dinner at the orphanage was topped off by ice-cold Coke, hot Honduran coffee, and a hug with the group home father, Salo, after he'd found out about our day. God was so gracious today, showing us things that I will never forget. I'm so thankful to be a part of this journey. When I met Taylor, he was hungry, but he's also skeptical. He was skeptical of myself. He was skeptical of AFC. I mean, Jess, you remember sitting right there with him. I mean, man, sorry. He was skeptical of the church. He was skeptical of the Bible, but he was so hungry. And just by chance and by God's fingerprints, a spot opened up two weeks before we left for Honduras. And he had a passport and he had a heart to serve. And so he agreed to go. So what Taylor's going to do right now is he's going to come up, um, he's going to share a little bit about his walk leading up to the trip. He's going to share about what the trip did for him and about his walk now. And, and lastly, he's going to invite you to come with us. Um, because what happened for Taylor and what happened for myself is we saw religion in its purest form. And so he's going to share, with that, share that with you tonight. So if y'all will give Taylor a hand clap and then he's going to finish it up. Two years ago, I was searching, searching for answers, searching for a purpose, searching just for a direction. Preceding the summer of 2013, I lived my life the way I wanted to. I did what I wanted to when I wanted to. The end result of those decisions landed me in a jail cell. Now, in that jail cell, I knew I had to make a change. I knew there needed to be something different about me. I grew up in a Christian home. I was Bible-fed. I knew what the scriptures said. But to me, that was just an option. Why couldn't there be other ways? Why couldn't everybody get a trophy? I knew that I had to find something. My sister had, my sister right here in the front row, everybody look at her right now. Um, she had always been inviting me to AFC, and I always was really reluctant to me, because to me, it was filled with judgmental people and a list of rules that I would never live up to. But I came. I came and I got involved in a small group um, we were going through the book of Judges, but we didn't talk about the book of Judges. 
they just listened to my questions, and they answered my questions, and it was great. But my questions were never really fully answered, so I carried those with me. And I studied abroad at the beginning of the semester, or the beginning of the summer, and I went to Peru, thinking that going abroad would enlighten me. I would finally find that answer. I would finally find that direction that I've been searching for so intently. But it wasn't there. The people there were just the same as the people here. The problems there were just the same as the problems that I had. I came back and I got involved in a book study led by a young Matt Schock and uh, a guy named Logan, who I grew to become pretty good friends with in the, throughout that Bible study. It was a, a book by David Platt called Follow Me. Pretty good book. Um, but I was still skeptical. Um, but I could feel something tugging me, and I, I wasn't sure what it was. But it, it, it started there. I, maybe it started in the jail cell, or maybe it started when I was born, but I, I could feel it being stronger and stronger. Um, a couple weeks being back in the States, I got a text asking to go to Honduras. They had a late dropout, and they needed someone with a passport, so I stepped up, and I thought, hey, this could be it. This could be the thing I've been searching for, the purpose I need. Go help some people who are less fortunate and make their lives better, and I'll change some lives. But what really happened was my life was changed. Um, going to Honduras, I didn't, know, I didn't really know the people I was going with. When eight people, four girls, four guys. I was thinking, like, we're going to build a house with this group here. I was like, okay, all right, let's, I'll see what happens. And so we go, and um, it was actually a lot different than I thought. But the, the country was what I thought. It was third world. There was poverty. There was people who were hungry. There's people who were in need. But the people I went with were different. So I'm going to give you a little snapshot of the Honduras trip. I could talk for hours about Honduras. And uh, you can catch me later at T if you want some more um, info about it. But I'm going to tell you about one boy and the group I went with. So the first night we got there, um, we went straight to the orphanage. And as we pull up, these kids just pour out of the orphanage. And I was the first one off the truck, and I just got a hug. I stuck my hand out for a handshake and I got a hug of someone I never met. And I was like, this is, this is different. There's some sort of different love that I never felt before. Before we left, we had picked two kids to bring gifts for, like Matt had the twins. I had a boy named Hiro and a boy named Nelson. And um, before I could even find Hiro, he found me. And from that point on, we were stuck at the hip together every moment that we were after the orphanage. And he, it was just enough for him to be next to me. It was just enough for him to hold my hand. Me, a drunken fool, and he thought I was a king. It didn't make any sense to me. I was something special to him, and I felt like dirt when I had left the States. But at the same time, not only the love I was seeing from that kid was different, what was being output by the group I was with was different. The, the days were hard. During the day, we work hard on building the house. It's 15-pound blocks, and you're building that center block house you saw. It's not easy work. And at the end of the day, I was tired. And they were like, okay, let's go to the orphanage. And I was like, what? I was like, I was ready to go back to the hotel and, and lay down. But they were pumped up to go to the orphanage. Now, this is, this is an inhuman energy I had never seen before. They were not the typical Christians that I had seen before, the legalistic people I had in my mind that I'd been around all my life. This was, I was seeing Jesus. You don't see, you don't see Jesus every day in the States. When you wake up in the morning, you turn the light switch on, it's gonna, you know it's going to turn on. You turn the water faucet, it's going to come out clean water that you can drink. It's not every day that you get to see Jesus reaching down and helping the less fortunate. And the people I went with were 
Jesus was pouring out of them. And I knew that that was different. I knew that was something that I wanted. I thought that this, maybe, maybe this is the answer, but I, I was reluctant. Every day I was like, no, that's not it. You've known about this for a while. It couldn't be it. You would have figured that out by now. And every Bible study, every night, it seemed like the verses were just pointing directly at me, just arrows right to my heart. And at the end of the week, I got baptized. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the water that saved me, like Carrie Underwood would say. It, it was the light that was pouring out of the people I went with. It was the love that was pouring out of the orphans that were there. It was Jesus in those people. That's what changed me. That's what saved me. That's what made me commit my life to Christ. That's what put me on the right path. Is seeing what Jesus, that Jesus was more than words on a page. I'd read the Bible. I knew what it said. I knew what the promise was. I knew that there was eternity, and I was supposed to follow Christ, and I get to live forever. Great. But what was in between? I got to see that in Honduras, and that's what changed me. The in-between is what matters. Honduras is the reason I'm here today. Maybe I would have figured it out. Maybe I would have stumbled my way into something that would have brought me to Christ. But God had a plan for me. Now, there's one or two groups here today. Group one, you've already accepted Christ and you decided to follow him. Now what? You have a Bible. Matt showed you those verses. Great Commission. John, John James 127. That's what being a Christian is about. Think about that for a second. I'm going to talk to group two over here. Group two, you have questions. You're not sure if Christianity is the answer. You're in search of that purpose. Just like me, you're not sure that this is where you're supposed to be. But let me guarantee you, you're here tonight for a reason. There's no such thing as happenstance. There's no such thing as coincidence. You came here for a reason. And is your purpose enough to wake up in the morning and then go to bed at night? Or is there something more? Do you feel that inside that there's something better in this world that you're looking for? Both of you need to make a decision. Both of you need to get out of the cul-de-sac of indecision and get on the highway to decisiveness. Where are you going? What are you doing? What's your purpose? There's a great mission field across the street, yes. But if you want something to light your fire, something to change your life and get you headed on the right direction in a like, short amount of time, mission trip, man. Mission trip is something that's going to slap you. And that's what it did to me. It just changed my life and... I, I can't say enough that if I didn't go on that mission trip, I would not be a Christian today. So on Sunday at 2.30, we are having a meeting at my house. Um, same place we have tea. We're going to answer questions. We are going to tell you a little bit about more what we're going to do, what to bring, things like that. And just come. Even if you don't think you can go this summer, the thing about a mission trip is there's two groups that make a mission trip happen, givers and goers. Neither one is greater than the other, and both need each other. So Matt was talking about the planning process. Well, within the planning process is raising funds, um, and it's not free to go on a mission trip. Obviously, we're building a house. That costs money. You're eating. You're feeding the kids. That costs money. So if you can't go... Give 10 bucks. That's four lattes. I mean, come on. 
you, you make 10 bucks in one hour, most of you. So I want you guys to think about it. I want you to think about where you're going, what your purpose is. We talked about on Sunday, if you came to UCC, the Sunday is the purpose in life is to shine your light. So let me ask you this. Are you going to put your light on a stand or are you going to hide it with a basket? Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this group. I thank you for bringing each one of us here today. And I pray that if anyone in here is feeling led to go to Honduras or do any sort of mission work, that they would follow that. Lord, I pray that you'd make it to where they couldn't say no. Maybe someone in here has known for a while that they need to be a missionary, that it's their calling to go, but they keep holding back. They keep saying no. Lord, I hope that, I hope that you just make them give in. Lord, I pray for those people who have questions. I pray for those people who are like me, who aren't sure. I pray that they would take a leap. Take a leap into the vastness of your grace, and you can show them, you can show them what life is meant to be. In Jesus' name, amen.